welcome to XDive Live, exploring the cross currents between customer experience, employee experience, culture, and brand. Here's your host, Ed Bodenseek. Welcome to another episode of XDive Live. I'm your host, Ed Bodenseek, and I'm really excited about today's episode because we are going to be talking to a new dive master who's going to help us take a deeper dive into the world of design thinking. He is a experienced designer with Sibley Memorial Hospital in Washington, D.C., and he's with the Innovation Hub down there, and they are really shaking things up. I was really fortunate to take a tour, thanks to Frankie, and I just cannot wait to tell our listeners about the good work they're doing down there. So Frankie, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Ed. Great to have you on. You... um. You know, when we think about what hospitals are doing in this space, we right away think about patient experience. But you're taking it to another level. When I got a chance to tour there, I mean, I saw changes to the physical space. I saw this innovation hub. You're thinking about how it relates to employee experience. I mean, and you're taking really an impressive number of people and cohorts through design thinking workshops. Give us a, a background before we jump in here on What's happening there? Why, why, why the buzz? Well, the Innovation Hub at Sibley is a dedicated space and a dedicated team embedded in the hospital. And that's what makes us unique and enables us to do a lot of really cool things. The Innovation Hub was a brainchild of our CEO, Chip Davis. And Chip came on at Sibley Hospital about six or seven years ago Johns Hopkins bought our hospital, so now we're part of the Hopkins family. Chip came in and he said, Sibley Hospital, we're going to be the role model for innovation in healthcare. And what that looks like is, first of all, he put the hospital on Epic, which is an EMR, an electronic medical record, Mm -hmm. the first of the Hopkins hospitals to go on an electronic medical record, which, you know, it's about time. Uh, And pretty soon, the hospital had switched over, there was this prime real estate on the main floor of the hospital near the front entrance, near the executive suite, near the physician's lounge that used to be full of file cabinets, full of paper medical records. And Chip said, I'm taking that space and that's gonna be an innovation hub. It's gonna be easily accessible, And it's going to be open to all hospital staff, everybody in the Sibley community can come into the space and use it to do innovation projects, have small team meetings, to build prototypes and do some whiteboarding and, you know, consume post-it notes, which we do a lot of. And that's been our uh, reality ever since. We've been there for about four years now, working on helping build this culture of innovation within the hospital. It's terrific, Frankie. Have you, um, I want to talk about your background, how you got into this, but before I ask, have you heard of other hospitals with an innovation hub quite like yours, or do you think yours um, is unique? Ours is unique because it's, we're embedded in the hospital. There are certainly other hospitals that have design teams or work with design teams. There are other innovation centers that are dedicated to healthcare, but being located in, and, and in fact, my paycheck comes from the hospital, uh, I'm, it's, it's almost like being a consultant who gets to continuously have access to the client. It's 
having having done freelance consulting in the past, I, I see how much more I'm able to accomplish because of this. If I want to, as you do in design thinking, we do a lot of work with our end users, constantly bringing prototypes, testing, doing interviews and observations. I'm able to just walk upstairs if I want to see how a nurse uses something or go down the hall if I want to talk to a physician about their needs in some area or, you know, just a few floors away, there are patients that with the permission of the, of the floor manager or the nurse leader, I'm able to go and talk to a patient directly without having to plan much ahead or make, make an appointment. And that makes a huge difference for our design work. You know, essentially you have a giant laboratory, right? Um, and, and you're doing good work. I mean, it's fulfilling, fulfilling work, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Frankie, I, I'm just so curious about your background. Tell, tell us about your journey. I know you came from the world of manufacturing into healthcare, and, and I'd love for you to give us a sense of how the universal principles of design thinking apply from one vertical to another, or maybe where they don't. What's your take mm-hmm. on that? Sure. I studied design in undergrad at Cornell University, and they have a wonderful program called DEA, Design and Environmental Analysis that's essentially focusing on the human environment and things that people interact with, uh, a built environment, a physical space or a process or a service. Uh, it was sort of a broad degree. Um, give me that foundation in design. Uh, many years later, I went to business school at the University of Maryland, Smith School of Business, got my MBA. And I was focusing on entrepreneurship and marketing there was one class that I took that suddenly a lot of puzzle pieces fell into place and the class was called service marketing and in that class we talked about service blueprinting it was my first introduction to the term understanding a customer's journey through a service by creating this sort of a map we called it a service blueprint and after I Graduated, I was immediately hired to be the director of marketing for a heavy machinery company. I realized that this company was looking for a director of marketing, but that was not what they needed. It was only the term that they knew that fit this sort of problem space they had. Why don't our customers like us? Why don't we have more customers? Why aren't we selling as much as we could be? Mm -hmm. Guess we need to push our product harder. So we should hire a marketing person. Uh, what I learned very quickly about the company was that they almost never talked to their users. I organized the first sort of service safari to go and do a listening tour. I went from our office in Delaware through customer sites in Virginia, in South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Mississippi, showing up at when the when the users showed up and the people who used our products were using them and sometimes that meant three in the morning when they the first shift arrived for the teams that poured concrete at precast concrete yards and i would here's a little secret tip for your users if you ever want to go visit a, con, a construction site which i highly recommend <laughs> just put on a hard hat and some steel-toed shoes boots uh, a fluorescent vest and grab a clipboard 
and you can walk right on and you will look like you belong. And no one will stop you. A little confidence. Yeah, no one's going to stop you. <laughs> we did a whole lot of that. Observing up close, watching people use our equipment, our tools, um, taking notes, taking photographs. And I brought what I learned back to the team. I said, hey, this is how people are actually treating the things that we make. And as you can see, there's, there's clear inconsistencies with our intent and their reality. Mm-hmm. And the, the, you just see these light bulbs going off in the, in the, in the heads, in the faces of uh, my team, uh, of people who worked on the factory floor, of people who worked on the leadership team saying, wow, we can change things. We can make a better customer experience uh, with this knowledge, with this qualitative research that Frankie has done. Mm-hmm. Uh, from there, I started my own design firm focusing on that user experience user research and one of my clients eventually i had a contract with sibley here in the innovation hub and after a few weeks working as a contractor they asked me to stay on full-time and so now i've been here for two and a half years so so frankie so you come in shortly after it starts right uh, i think a couple years mm-hmm. um, yeah i came in 2016 so kind of Still early on, it had been established already, and you've been there now almost two years, if not two, right? Two and a half, almost three. Almost three years now. What, so in that time, Frankie, what has the impact of the hub been so far? Particularly um, given what this show focuses on, with that convergence, even with culture, right? What's the impact been on the hospital culture? And I've seen some of the prototypes they've created. It seems like people, there's a sense of excitement that, you know, this feels a little bit different. Well, it's, I I think it would be disingenuous to say it's all rainbows and bubbles. Uh, There's certainly areas that adopt this innovation more, uh, this innovation culture more than others. Um, People that work with us more closely and are more eager for experimentation and trying new things and change. And some areas that think, you know, it's a little too soft for them and and not scientific enough. And they, uh, they like doing things the way they always have done them. But there's a couple of things that we noticed early on that were significant changes in the culture. One was more use of prototyping and comfort with getting it wrong the first time. We are big proponents of the crappy first prototype saying, hey, let's just get something made or, or created or a shift in the, in the training and try it out mm-hmm. and be comfortable with getting it wrong the first time, knowing that we can change it, that we can have iterative cycles. The second thing is talking to users and, 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 and just overhearing meetings of people. There's lots of small meetings that happen in the Innovation Hub. In the middle of the Innovation Hub, there's um, five or six small round tables that comfortably seat five people and it's known through the hospital that you don't need a reservation. You can just come and grab one. And people do all day long. Little teams are coming in having meetings. And we overhear them saying this. That's a good question. Let's go ask a user. Mm-hmm. I don't know the answer to that. Let's go talk to a, a patient. Small victories. A small victories. That concept of starting with the end user and going back often to the end user instead of relying on our own often flawed sense of expertise. 
you know, it's it's the minimally viable product approach, right? And I love that you're 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 doing that and that's having an effect on people. We do that with with our clients. Same thing. It's just relentless incrementalism, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just do something. Get started. The secret is just to get started and prototype. What um what are your favorite prototypes? Are there any that stand out that you're most proud of? Mm-hmm. Favorite prototypes. It's like trying to choose your favorite well, kid. You probably can't. <laughs> uh, one thing that was so we had the innovation awards. The annual innovation awards ceremony was last week. This is where we recognize people in any department that put in a good effort on some sort of innovation initiative, whether or not it succeeded, or it may even be still in progress. But it was a really cool hour-long lunch ceremony in front of all the department heads, about 150 people in the room. Our CEO spoke, and we handed out these 3D-printed trophies because that's how you make trophies if you're an innovation hub, I guess. You 3D print them. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> right? LED lights in them. They're pretty sweet. Uh, one of the projects, but two, I'll talk about two that I was really happy to have worked with. One was a, a hook for wheelchairs. So there's a tech here at the hospital. Techs are sort of the bottom of the totem pole a lot of times on the hierarchy in the hospital. They do really wonderful work with patients, but they don't have—they haven't been to nursing school necessarily or um, medical school. But this tech came into the innovation hub on her lunch break and said, "Now, sometimes when I have to go pick up a patient at the parking garage because they have arrived, they've walked down from their car, but they're using a walker in the the, the pre-surgical testing center where I work is." three buildings away. So I'll, I'll walk all the way over with a wheelchair to bring them back. But they've got a walker. I need to bring them while pushing the wheelchair and also bring the walker. How do I, how do I bring them? It's usually awkward. And sometimes I fold up the walker and put, the, put it on their lap, but that is just awkward. There's got to be a better way. We started during that lunch break. After she, we talked about the problem a little bit. We started with pipe cleaners and one of the wheelchairs, figuring out where can we put this thing? You know, pipe cleaner can't support any weight, but you can bend it and it holds the shape. And then the next time she came back, we used moldable plastic and molded these sort of, it's plastic where you can put it in boiling water, it softens and you put it whatever shape you'd like, mm-hmm. and it hardens within a few seconds. Uh, and we had hooks that suddenly could support some weight. They were ugly. It was a crappy prototype but it got the job done. It helped us learn. And then several iterations later, we're now producing these real hooks that we can use on all these wheelchairs in the hospital. And they solve that problem. And that is something I'm super proud of having been part of that giving her that confidence to do that to the point that she won an award and our CEO recognized her in front of everybody. That's great. And that promotes, like you said, the culture of innovation, just that virtuous cycle. Yeah. Any others stand out? Another one is a book that we made to tell the story of case coordinators. So for listeners who are not so familiar with healthcare, this may sound like the nerdiest thing, but to me, it just warms my heart. Oh, geek out for us, please. Okay. (laughs) Uh, The director of the case coordination department came into the innovation hub and said, "Uh, let's, let's work on a way to tell the story of 
the people in my department, what they do, because so much of their work is behind the scenes, is backstage. It's crucial to the operation of the hospital and the safety of our, of our patients. And in fact, the quality of their experience here, but they get no recognition. Nobody knows what they do. And they, and a lot of times they're the, they bear the brunt of dissatisfaction. For example, when they, when a patient needs to be discharged because their insurance has identified that they won't not, the insurance won't pay for them to stay in the hospital anymore. Mm-hmm. There's a case coordinator who has to come and explain why the patient needs to go home and the patient doesn't want to. When the insurance says they won't pay for another night of stay and the, the hospital believes that the patient deserves another night, it's the case coordinator who has to coordinate that conversation with insurance. We do need them to stay here. You do have to pay for another night. Here's the reason. And they're, and they're involved in a lot of that complex negotiation and get no credit. And so the director of the unit said, well, how can we tell this story? Well, the first thing we did was to engage those case coordinators. There are about 25 of them on the team, a mix of social workers and nurses. And we got them to come into the innovation hub in groups of five or six over the course of several sessions. All of them came in. We asked them to talk about their work and draw it. And so we had each of them, each, each got five post-it notes and a Sharpie. We give them a few minutes. Draw your job in five panels. And so they suddenly drew, and we, we give a little bit of preparatory, you know, here's triangle, circle, square, line. You can draw anything if you combine these shapes. Stick figures are perfectly fine. Don't worry about quality. Just tell the story visually. And they did. And after these sessions, we had about 100, 115 of these post-its. We sat down. I sat down with a couple of colleagues from the Innovation Hub and we sorted through them and we grouped them and we identified the notes that we had taken as they explained their drawings. We put them together into a book, a a collection of 30 panels, each one containing some of these drawings that they'd done. We brought them back to those those case coordinators and said, is this what you meant? Is this capturing what you do? And after several iterations of this, getting the drawings wrong, trying again, you know, revising and writing always on the, on the top of each page, this is a draft, and this is a draft. This, we know we've got this wrong in some way. It's okay, give feedback, we will change it. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually we published a book, which is we've only distributed internally in the hospital, but this is a book that, it's called The Illustrated Guide to Case Coordinators. It is so cool, Ed. I brought it in my book bag because as I mentioned earlier, I'm a dork. I brought it in my bag to a party one time and just showed a couple of folks that this is the kind of thing that I'm doing at work. And people were passing it around. I said, well, I need to put it back in my bag now. This guy who has nothing to do with healthcare, who would never read anything about case coordination. He's like, I'm on page five, Frankie. You got to give me some time. I got to read the rest of this. <laughs> I mean, the joy that I felt in that moment, sure. somebody caring about case coordinators because of a project we did, it was just made it all worthwhile. Well, it appeals to the visual learners and all of us, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Frankie, one prototype I was struck by had to do with your oncology department. And I remember the box that you pulled off the shelf and 
for my listeners, I'll do my best to describe it. Frankie, hopefully I don't get it wrong, but you open the box and just the, the intentionality of recognizing that that's a moment that really matters, right? You're creating mm-hmm. a patient experience that you can imagine that the patient and the patient's loved ones in that moment and they're checking in and they're, they're, they're clearly, it's a stressful environment and yet they're presented with a box. And as you recall, you open it up and there's a letter from the care team. We know mm-hmm. this is a difficult time. We know here's what you can expect. And on the right mm-hmm. side of the box, was there's a playlist created by other patients. These are the songs that got us through a similar time and, and treatment. And then to top it all off, a those old iPod shuffles, the little squares, there is the same playlist that's loaded right there into the iPod shuffle. I think, Frankie, what, what else was in there? Some markers, I think, mm-hmm. and a, a journal. So what you're describing, we call it the Breast Cancer Toolkit. This is a project that was led by one of the vice presidents of the hospital, Caroline Schaffa. And she looked at the experience of breast cancer patients. And one thing we know is when people are diagnosed with cancer, breast cancer, they often don't hear anything after that word cancer. The physician or whoever they're sitting with maybe explaining more, here's what to expect and here's the kind of treatment plan we're going to go for, but it just becomes like wah, 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 because that person's mind, their world has just blown up. Sure. They're thinking, am I going to survive? How am I going to tell my children? What am I going to do? This is not supposed to happen to me. Are, I, are we sure that I have cancer? I'm at a world-class cancer facility. I'm at Sibley Hospital. I should be okay. I should be grateful for this. That's, things are probably going to be good. And they have uh, all kinds of wonderful new therapies. But, um, you know, there's this roller coaster. And the breast cancer toolkit is intended to help even that out as much as is possible. The things in the box are some to help with uh, self-care. There's a lavender patch. We know that aromatherapy is calming for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. The playlist suggested by people who are currently and or have been treated here for breast cancer. And also a book of copies from the logbook that sits in the patient lounge in the breast center that is things folks who have been treated or have survived or are being treated for breast cancer have written in that book. We took out a bunch of selections and made a uh, maybe a 50-page booklet that somebody can read through and say, oh, wow, I'm not alone. Oh, wow, that is a crazy thing that happened to you, and I can relate to that, and hopefully helps even that out. It's been made possible by a generous grant, something that we are really excited to start offering. It's just about ready for actual distribution to patients. Mm-hmm. Well, Frankie, you know, what, what I love about the way you describe so much of this is you're not saying that these are innovation hub staff and design thinkers, experienced designers out there doing all these things. I mean, maybe you are helping to curate and inspire, but what I love is talking about a culture of innovation. Sure, it, maybe it's not all bubbles and rainbows, as you said, for everyone, but by and large, it sounds like you have a critical mass of people in different departments, different practices, at different levels, all kind of informed by design thinking, thinking along those lines and coming up with these 
just really innovative solutions, I think, that speak to human dignity. And um, anyway, it's inspiring. It really is. Oh, thanks. Thanks. We're working on it. So um, just to close it out, two more questions for you. So we talked about how you, we think you're unique in that you're the only on-site innovation hub uh, inside of a hospital. And I hope that somebody hears you saying that and says, oh, no, no, we are also. Let's be friends. Wouldn't it be nice? No, let's uncover it, right? But for other organizations that want to try a similar approach in in different verticals, what advice would you have and where to start? I mean, let's say a hub isn't in the cards right now. What What can they do to start diving into this? Well, I will say it matters a lot to have a dedicated team. So if there's not a space, if you don't have the luxury of booting out your old medical records and it happens to be a prime location with windows having a dedicated team somebody you can say we facilitate we provide training we are i call call myself a design coach a lot of times that makes a huge difference it's it's one thing to say oh we are an innovative organization and we encourage intrapreneurship but i i truly believe that intrapreneurs can only succeed with somebody to help sort of hold their hand, to give them a little more permission or some additional tool that, uh, a tool or skill or number of hours that can move them forward in a way that they won't be able to do on their own. That's, I think my main, my main advice is to have some dedicated staff that have protected time or in fact their entire job description is support, nurture, encourage innovation. You know, it goes to show you that safe space doesn't just mean physical space, right? You're, like you said, creating permission, a, mi- a shared mindset among a team okay. to do that. All right, last question for you. Where do you go next? Like, where, what are your top priorities? Like, let's say your, your next two or three things you want to get done, the big things. Boy, I, I feel like that's, a, that's maybe a better question for our new director who is just figuring out the answers to those questions. I should probably defer to Brian Van Winkle, who's awesome. He's just joined our team last week. One thing I'll say is I know he's working on reaching out to people in, throughout the hospital to say, what's one major challenge that we can work on together as an innovation hub team that will put a lot of resources and time and focus on to drive one thing that maybe even will get feedback and, and conversation along the way from people throughout the hospital to, to winnow down that list to the, to the one heavy, big lift that, that will make a huge difference. I know also we're looking at te- technology solutions because certainly that's the way healthcare is going. So. Well, there you have it. Frankie Aberlin, design coach, party favorite, I'm sure, for what's in his bag, um, <laughs> and uh, giving us some tips on uh, criminal trespassing. So, <laughs> 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 Frankie, we appreciate you and what you're doing. And um, if you'd like to see some of the prototypes we discussed and a few photos of the space, um, as well as some other supplemental information, I invite you to visit xdivelive.com. You'll see uh, just the intentionality and the extreme attention to detail from wayfinding when you first walk in to a concierge center we didn't get to talk about today to the innovation hub itself. So Frankie, with that, I want to wish you a great day and Godspeed in the continued journey. And uh, we will be in touch and, and watch with great interest as you continue to innovate 
there at Sibley Memorial. This is Ed Bodenseek with X Dive Live, and I want to wish you all a great day. X Dive Live is brought to you by Cravity, creating the cultures and brands for people to crave. To explore more content, visit xdivelive.com.